I'm Tanja K. Johnson, and this is Voices of Color, a writing podcast. Episode 2 Description Hello, this is Voices of Color, and I'm Tanja K. Johnson. I am Sylvester Barzi, author of the Planet Dead series. I'm Victoria Wilder, author of Lullaby of the Limits You. And we have a special guest today, Reese. Hi, guys. Um, I'm Reese Copeland. I'm a former ghostwriter, full-time cat mom, and all-around hot mess. (laughs) (laughs) I think we all have a little bit of hot mess in us. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so today we're going to be talking about description, how to ease it into your stories and make it really riveting for your readers. What do you guys have for me about description today? Well, I guess what description is, is basically any kind of word, the words you use or the language you use to create a picture in your reader's head. I don't know if I should be like the best one to talk about description because I personally never believed I was good at description. I thought I was only good at dialogue. But some people say that I'm good at description. Why can't I say it? Okay. (laughs) But mostly what I do when I write and I want to describe something, I just really think about it like a TV show or a movie in my head. I think like Veronica Mars and like iZombie. I I think about it, how they would look at something or how you would describe something. I I feel like if you play it out like a movie in your head, it should be easier to write it down on the page. Yeah, that's actually uh, the best advice I ever got was to write like you're writing a movie. I think a lot of times we see a lot of problems when there are books that go to movies because the description wasn't there. It doesn't translate as well on the screen. So for me, when I'm writing, I definitely do... Like, I try and write it like I would want to want it to be seen on the screen. I write a lot of cinematic things. So, like, I do the exact same thing where it's, like, I'm trying to picture exactly where everything is in the room. Or at the very least, like, what are the colors in the room? What are the, what's the furniture? What's in the way of my character moving around as they're moving around the space? And then I will flesh that out with, if this is a bookshelf, what kind of wood is it made of? If that's important, you know, like just little details that my character would notice. Because I know when in real life I'm somewhere, I'm not necessarily paying attention to everything. But whatever I am paying attention, that's that's probably the most descriptive thing in the room. Like a big bright window or something. I feel like the only wood I ever use is mahogany. Like, <laughs> mahogany. <laughs> I feel like I was a real adult. When I could like name woods. <laughs> I guess I'm not a real adult yet. <laughs> I'm like trying to think of other woods like uh, oh, ebony, uh, ivory, ivory. Ebony, ivory. What? <laughs> <laughs> that, that just automatically goes in my head. And as soon as I said it, I was like, no, no, that's not. <laughs> I think that's really important for our readers to understand that even though you're going for a cinematic feel, you don't want to describe every single thing in the room or everything in the landscape because it's just going to get exhausting for your reader. You don't need everything. Just pick out the things that are really important or the most vibrant, something that's really going to paint the picture without going too overboard. Yeah. 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 Most definitely. I mean, 
I feel if you're going to spend a lot of time describing something, then it it better be important at some point in the book. If you're going to spend the whole time describing the bookcase, it better fall on somebody or something. Um. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, because you can get really bogged down in those details. I'm pretty sure there's an author. I don't remember who it is. They've written page upon page of descriptions about trees. (laughs) (laughs) That had nothing to do with like the story and moving the story forward. And that's mm-hmm. just really, it's hard for a reader to get through. Yeah, sure. I think the picture of Dorian Gray, there used to be a whole chapter in there that was just like describing flowers in a garden. And it oh, was, yeah. it was so heavy and so exhausting and literally nothing happened. They were just looking at flowers. I was wondering if you guys think that's filler passages, like how you would do a paper. And, you know, your paper is supposed to be like 10 pages. So you just throw in this Ooh. paragraph as my discussion is. Oh, so like trying to meet your word count. Yeah. Yeah. Editor is oh. like, I need 100 and something pages. It's like, well, you got a chapter about flowers now. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I think that's gone with the times. With more classic yeah. literature, you, you get those long, really drawn out descriptions. But now it's more quick paced. And yeah. The reader is not going to sit there and read a page and page and page about the petal of a flower and how it was wilting in the sun and it represented my my dark soul. You know, no one really cares about that anymore. We want to get to the action, how it affects the character, the setting, everything. You don't, we don't want to be, we don't want to just sit there reading nothing. I feel like that's kind of a symptom of like how you said like it's gone with the times. I feel like that's kind of a symptom of like such a fast-consuming social media oh, yeah. type society. Like, we want instant results fast. So, like, I see a lot of authors who are able to turn out what I would consider, like, a novella as, like, full-length novels because the readers want more. They always want more. They yeah. want it faster and faster and faster. Yeah. I mean, our society isn't, like, built to wait for things anymore. There's, like, this whole new app thing where it's like telling stories, but it's telling stories through text message. Oh my and gosh. Yeah, I've seen those. Like, it's crazy. It's just, it's basically the whole story is like dialogue driven, but it just seems like everybody wants it now. They want to get to the end now. I mean, I'm even like that when I'm watching things on Netflix. I'm just, especially if it's like a mystery, I, I need to know. So yeah, binge watch. <laughs> yeah. yeah, binge watching is, Like, now I don't know how to watch regular TV. (laughs) I read a lot of old books, so I guess I have a lot more patience for a lot of description. Like, that one is really heavy, but I do kind of enjoy, like, I can't write description as well as the books that I've read, but I do enjoy, like, hearing about the room that they're in or the texture of the seats that they're on and things that make it feel really lush. I love lush description, but that's not something I would write. Mm. Um, Speaking of what we wrote, can I share something with you guys? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, my editor just kind of sent this back. And one of the things she mentioned was my paragraph that I used. And I think it does description pretty well. So I'm going to go ahead and read it. And maybe you guys tell me what you think. Thin arms wrapped around my shoulders and dabbed my forehead with a cold, wet cloth. I couldn't see her, but Anna's subtle fragrance let me know who had saved me. My eyes burned and my skin throbbed. Any attempt to speak met with razor spinning in my throat. That's it. But I do think that that sort of description is more on describing how the character feels and what the experiences are without being, because none of what's happening is actually concrete. 
It's not like she's on a bed or she knows what's going on because her eyes are closed. But there's the fragrance. There's the feeling in her throat. There's the feeling on her skin. So I do think description can also be more than just what's happening in the room, more than just what you see. No, that's definitely true. It's it's everything that's impacting your your character or the moment of what you're what you're writing. Did your editor have a problem with that? No, no, that was a thing oh. she pointed out that she liked a lot, and I was, I was like, about to say, oh, yeah. I was like, we should be about to <laughs> I was find like, I like a new this. editor because <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna find a new editor anyway, but that's another story. Oh my god, girl! <laughs> definitely, definitely want to hear about this. So, like you said in your example, which I thought was perfect, your description was about an experience. It was very relevant to your character, and that's something that our audience you need to pick up on. If it's relevant to the character, it's going to be relevant to the reader, and it's going to be really impacting. Reese, did you have any last words about this before we start your interview? If it's important to you, if it's something that you think that you're, you want to know about your character, then apparently, like, you know, maybe readers want to know it, too. That's a good, that's a really good tip. If you're curious, then your readers will probably be curious about it, too. Okay, so Reese, I have a few questions for you but first I want to know all about this book that you are debuting with tell us a little bit about that so my book is called Winds of Change it is the first in the Hearts of Solara series uh it is a fantasy romance and it also happens to be a reverse harem so I'm very 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 excited about it yeah reverse harems are really big right now I know. So it's uh, my first attempt at a reverse harem, but I'm really, really excited and I'm getting a little bit more confident about it also. Okay. Tell us a little bit about your characters without spoiling, if you can. Ooh, okay. Um, so Bela is my main character and she is a reflection, I feel like, of me at that age. She's 19 when the story begins. She really, really, really wants to please everyone and she really craves a stable family life, lots of friends. I would say she's all around a people pleaser. The story is really a coming of age for her and how she deals with that type of stability being taken away from her. I would say my next favorite character is Blue. My readers really, really like Blue. I can't stand them. And I know it's terrible <laughs> to, like as an author not to like your own characters, but like I just don't do like the bad boy type character. Like I'm not attracted to him in that way. But my character like my my characters for the most part they have their own their own personalities, their own lives. He was really really stubborn. He's emotionally detached. <laughs> I think that's that's how I would kind of describe his personality. <laughs> my favorite character is Vika. She's done what she had to do to survive, and she's unapologetic for it. So she's my absolute favorite character. That is awesome. I'm I'm looking at the cover right now, and it looks amazing uh-huh. with that big old dragon and everything. It's, yes, it's awesome. Tomo. His name is Tomodachi. <laughs> Tomo for short. You said so, Tomo, Tomogachi? Tomodachi. So you remember like the t- like the toys we had when we were younger? Yeah. That's what I thought you were saying. That's so Tomodachi. Cute. Yep. Oh, okay. All right. That's cool. So what sets your reverse harem apart from the slew of others? I would say um, they are not, I've noticed as a trend in reverse harem that a lot of times it is the woman is supposed to be like this all powerful being and the guys like help her 
strengthen her power or like control her power. So like she couldn't be able to do what she does without them. Um, it's not that case for Bela. She is who she is. She's always going to have been who she was. Everything else is just a bonus. I would say that my biggest thing for any female character that I write is the struggle that comes with being a woman, having to choose between being a mom, being a warrior, being a lover, being a wife. Like everybody tells you you're supposed to just pick one lane and stay in it. And it's really about the struggle between not even hashtag why choose partners, but hashtag why choose a lane. Uh Mm -hmm. I think I love this already. Yeah, sounds amazing. I do do like the fact that she's not, she doesn't necessarily need the guys because I never, I never understood the whole all powerful female being, and then she needs these guys to guide her or train her. It never made sense to me. So I like that she's standing up on her own. Yeah, I mean, granted, yeah, she needs some guidance, but that doesn't mean that she's still not badass by herself. Yeah. Like, I think Michelle would be okay without Obama, but would it be the other way around? Mm. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> so when did you first realize you wanted to be a writer? Um, I would say maybe in eighth grade. We had a talent show and I had to write a poem and I completely procrastinated as is my nature. <laughs> so the day of the show, like 15 minutes before I had to go on stage, I crafted a whole entire poem based off Jill Scott's like song. And <laughs> it got really, really good reviews. <laughs> and people were like, oh, we want to publish this in the school newspaper. And I was like, y'all just don't even know. <laughs> that's when I knew I was like, I could do this. I could totally like, I could totally spit out some things that people want to write, like read. I got this. <laughs> How long did it take you to write this book? Oh, uh, so in total, probably like sitting down and actually writing, it's taken me five months. However, the project has been probably sitting on my laptop for six years. Um, wow. As a former ghostwriter, I just always had a client that I needed to work with or somebody who I was trying to provide a service with. And I actually tried to get this done as a co-write with an author one time. And I just realized, that's what made me realize that like, I no, I'm not about that life <laughs> when it comes to this series. <laughs> because I, like, she would like try and change things and I'd be like, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I realized that it was something that like, it was my passion project and it was something that I needed to do. Yeah, my my hat goes off to co-authors, but like I I can't do it. Like I was doing it with my wife because you know we're married and everything. <laughs> but <we're> married. Ooh, <laughs> when she would come with suggestions, I'd be like, mm. <laughs> I don't really think it should be that way. <laughs> I would be open to co-writing. It's kind of a different type of co-write. Rather than us writing a book together, I've partnered with five authors to go ahead and do five different books that are all going to release on the same day. Oh. Wow. Wait, so are they all tied in the same um, universe? They are. Yep, in the same universe. Wow. So it is about five different foster sisters and their journey together to find true love. And there is a storyline that runs through the books that you have to read all of the books to find out how it ends. But basically what we've done is we went through and we wrote out the main storyline and then we took care of all the 
side characters, as you would say, or the side storylines individually. So when it comes to you writing your story with mm -hmm. that concept, how do you have full reign of your other co-authors' characters? Or is it, oh, I'm going to put Lucille here in the brothel or something? So it's a little bit different because I'm the person who came up with the premise. <laughs> okay, so this is all you. So they got to so, ask you then. Okay. Yeah, I uh, came up with all the characters, all their backstories. <laughs> Um, not that, not that go with the flow. <laughs> so, you, you ain't co-writing. You writing with minions. That's what you do. <laughs> I love that. So that co-write comes out. <laughs> We're hoping that co-write comes out in June. No, that's that's yeah. very cool. Michael Anderley, he does a lot of co-writing in the indie space, and he's made like a whole career out of it. Co-writing can, can be beneficial if you can do it. Well, I can't. So. This could be like a one-shot. <laughs> so where do you get your ideas from? For like this thing, for your book, for just your writing ideas? So Winds of Change was inspired by Way Too Much Wine. <laughs> enough, and then Lord of the Rings, all in succession. <laughs> <laughs> I drank like two bottles of wine, and then I was watching Xena, and I was like, man, I love this show. I wish there were more shows like this. And then I watched Lord of the Rings and just got more and more pissed that like all these female characters were just these throwaway side characters are only were there or made sense because they were somebody's love interest. And I was like, you know what? Had this been a black woman or had this been a woman of color, Frodo wouldn't have all these problems. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So I just kept getting more and more upset. And so finally I was like, I'm going to write a fantasy novel that has women as the main character. When you brought up the, um, the choice of the different lanes that a female can take, uh, <laughs> I instantly thought of Xena because that was always something right? that she always battled with. That she wants to have a family, but she's the warrior princess. So. Yes. Yes. So yeah, definitely for Winds of Change. For my other stories, it usually is like a combination of wine and like browsing Pinterest. Like it might be a recipe that like sparks a memory or it'll be like an inspirational quote and I'll it'll just take on a life of its own. Like The Great British Break Off. I'm obsessed with that show and I was watching it one night after like two cup, two glasses of wine and I was like, I'm gonna write a series about bakers. Nice. <laughs> Yeah, that's, a, that's a really common way to get ideas, I think. I don't know. I was listening to um, a song called Sex Metal Barbie, and this um, character I've had in my head for like 10 years just popped up while I was listening to that song, and in an hour, I had a whole book outlined. I was like, wow. all right, her story yeah. now. But what is Sex Metal Barbie? <laughs> um, this song is by... Um, I'll tell you in a second, but um, <laughs> like this, this uh, lady metal rock, and it's by In This Moment, and okay. yeah, you got to listen to the song to kind of understand. She's she's like trash, but good trash, and See? I loved it. And it just yeah. it's Diva's song, like it just fit that character so well, and it just this whole story came out that was very based in the old idea that I had, but something I couldn't have written when I was seventeen. Yeah, that's also so my creative. favorite thing. Like giving just... a character a song. That's my favorite way to get into their mindset. Yeah, I think so too. I think I have playlists for like every piece that I've written that's longer than like 
flash fiction, anything that's going to be um, at least 10,000 words, then I'll create like a short playlist or something. Oh, yeah. I have a playlist for everything that I've sat down and written to that would take me more than a day. So I have a playlist. But you guys are so creative because like, I feel so basic now because all what? I do is just like, I'll be like, oh, what would this be like? Add zombies. That's, that's how my thought process is. Zombie Pride and Prejudice, by the way, it was like my favorite zombie thing ever. My husband hated it, but I was obsessed. Wait, the book or the movie? The movie. I haven't read the book, but the movie was really, really good. And it made me want to read the book. See, mm. we, were, we were on the road Kindred to being good, good friends. Your family, what do they think of your writing and your career so far? My mom wishes I went to college, <laughs> gotten a degree. Um, my husband, he's just like, I mean, money, 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 money. That's what he cares. <laughs> if you're bringing home money, he's fine with it. Um, but like my friends and stuff, like they're all like super supportive. It's just awkward because like my grandmother like wants to be supportive, and she's like, I'm gonna buy your book, and I'm like, please don't. There's graphic sex in it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I know it's not you doing it, but it's still very awkward. Being a ghostwriter, were you ever able to just spring in on them? Like, you'd give them the book for Christmas, and then they'd be like, oh, I loved it. And like, ha ha, I wrote it. You know, yeah. No one in my family is as an avid reader as I am. I actually oh, okay. read about 325 books per year. Oh, my God. It's awesome. But I had to, in order to, like, be on top of it for the ghostwriting industry, like, you need to be able to tell them what the trends are and okay. people should be writing and stuff of that nature. I tried my hand at ghostwriting. I don't like it. It's the same thing with same thing with co-writing because yeah, like, when they try I'd be, to change things. Yeah, yeah. Like he, he he came to me and he was like, I want to do a YA zombie thing, and I gave him this whole concept that he's just like, well, I don't think this is plausible because a teenager. I was like, I can't do this. I can't. It's actually the worst. I've I've literally cried over like giving somebody a manuscript and then they change things that I feel like are critical, and I'm just like. Are you for real? You haven't done anything. And now you want to go for the final hour. <laughs> like, How dare you? Right? I would catch a whole attitude for a good couple days. Yeah. <laughs> okay, guys. So I'm going to segue us back into the discussion about description. So what do you guys use to impact your readers with your description? Like what methods do you use to make your description very impactful? When I'm describing, I like to use scent a lot. Because, mm. I mean, it's post-apocalyptic, so, you know, people are musty and things smell nasty, <laughs> rotten flesh. So anything that's just like, oh, makes you gag, then I'd be like, oh, it hit you. <laughs> so I like doing that. I feel like that helps describe a lot of what's going on, especially if there's, it's a gory scene or something. Definitely hitting your reader with their senses in some way, like, especially smell is apparently one of the strongest senses that we have give them something to sniff even if they're just yeah. imagining it and especially if it's like a common smell people have associations with things that change the way they're experiencing something like you could even be experiencing something negative but if you're smelling like pumpkin pie and as a child you had very happy memories with pumpkin pie then the pain or the negativity that you're experiencing is going to feel less than someone who's not smelling that smell, even though they're experiencing the same thing. That's actually yeah. a really good point. I was always told that if you want to make sure that your scene is going to be super successful and impactful to a reader, you need to at least hit the five senses every single time. So describing 
each of those five senses in that one scene. So you don't have to like go overboard telling them what it smells like, what it looks like, what it feels like, all of that. It's supposed to make it a lot more impactful. Yeah, I really like using textures, like the way like soft fabrics or something that feels scratchy or sweaty hands and the way that your skin gets kind of sticky from that. Mm. So like I like using textures and the way things feel. I definitely play with taste the most. For some reason, I have a thing with taste in the air. You can taste the salt or or if it's by a volcano, you can taste the ash or the heat. I don't know. Have you guys ever tasted heat? Like, yeah. Had it in your uh, mouth? Yeah. Heavy. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, I definitely like to play with taste because you can do some really interesting things with it. It's not always what you expect. So at first I thought you were going to say that your characters lick a lot of things. No. <laughs> <laughs> Just no. going around Moral licking walls. and whatnot. Like, <laughs> oh. I was like, what? <laughs> oh. So since we all write genres where you have to develop a world, how do you know the balance between giving description and then info dumping and doing just way too much? I call it a love sandwich. <laughs> Ooh, let us oh. tell us about the sandwich. Make me a sandwich. My <laughs> love sandwiches usually consist of a character and an action. So a character is doing something or triggering something happening, an info dump, and then we're finishing whatever it is that's being done or whatever that action is to lead into the next action. So you, you're you okay with using small info dumps, like a paragraph of info that will move you into the next thing? Yes. Yeah. I do that too, inner dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like if you do it in dialogue, it's it's good. I don't feel like the narrator really needs, because that, that just seems like cheating or something. Doing it in dialogue, I feel like... If if it's done properly and it's not this big old monologue of <laughs> some kind of Bond villain or something, <laughs> then yeah. Right, but you kind of have to be careful doing it in dialogue because you don't want to just rehash things that your character should already know. Like That's they true. should know these facts, but for some reason they're having a conversation about these things that they already know just to serve the purpose for the audience to get this information. That's mm. a big no-no. You can also do yeah. like inner dialogue. Yeah. Inner dialogue, yeah. yes, but if they already know these things, like they're not going to keep thinking about it. And it's just something that's like in the background of their mind. You want to bring that monologue, that inner monologue of stuff that's in the forefront, things right. that are happening like right away, or unless there's yeah. something that triggers that memory to come into the forefront of their mind, and then you can explore it. Yeah, I that's think... what I meant by the yeah. love sandwich. Yeah. Oh, okay. I like I... to have my characters moving to as many different kind of locations as possible. So when it comes to like describing the location, it's when they first enter that place, then they'll notice things. But then later they might notice something else, but they're not going to continuously repeat the things that were already there, but they might mention them. So you walk into a place with a leather couch and then you come back later and, oh, he sat on the couch. You don't have to tell us that it's a brown leather couch anymore because you've already mentioned it. So I do like to just try to have them moving around just so that there is more new description to give. But also, if I've already given it, I find other ways to mention it without it being repetitive or redundant. I guess that is redundant. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, punny. (laughs) Any more thoughts about info dumping, about how to to do it gracefully, how to get that information across, that description across? I just think you just 
you don't have to rehash anything that your character should know or that your reader already went over. Just touch upon it. Don't really dive too deep. You have a chapter ago where there was this big old battle. You don't have to be like, oh, remember when so-and-so came in on the dragon? Just be like, <laughs> like you don't have to have to say that. You could just be like, when the flames came down and then everyone gets all solemn and sad because that's when so-and-so died. Yeah. I think I'm a fan of, I, I mean, I know at least in my book, Tomo the dragon, I mm. am a fan of if there needs to be something like about the background of the story or if there's something that has to do with the world building of it, he's good for that. He's good for like explaining it to somebody because he's very pompous and very like all knowing if that person questions him in any like any way, then he definitely is going to come in with a whole monologue about oh, what oh. happened in history. So uh, the dragon talks. Yes, that's cool. Oh. <laughs> he that's talks. Scary. He has an attitude. He just went to a whole nother level. Okay. <laughs> I like that. That's cool. You know, I've never actually read a book with a dragon in it, but maybe yours will be the first. I would love if I'm your, like, dragon cherry popper. I'm yeah. here for it. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> like... I thought she was going to go there, but I was like, nah, she's not. <laughs> no, I'm totally, I mean, I hope that you love it. It's, the, like I said, it's the first in the series, and I'm hoping to do some spinoffs on it if people really, really like it. So, cool. Yeah, I, so, how I'm many stories gonna... do you have planned for this series? There are... Three books planned in the main series. And then as far as the spinoffs go, they would probably each be like a novella. Um, so I would say probably all in total, there's about seven planned. But I'm only doing them if like there's a great reception. Oh, wow. So I'm going to write the second one. Once this first one releases and I see how it's received, then I'll make plans. I have the outline, but then I'll make plans to actually sit down and dedicate some time to it. Do you, um like, is it kind of standalone so like if you didn't write another one it's totally (laughs) you said no (laughs) okay nope there's a cliffhanger so (laughs) leave a review otherwise i don't know what to tell you you'll never know what happened (laughs) (laughs) you'll definitely get reviews (laughs) yeah yeah, i got so many reviews about cliffhangers all right guys that is our time for this episode I'm going to give the audience some homework. It's very simple this week. Take your best description from your manuscript and post it on our website and our forums. Or you can go to our Facebook page and post it there. Thank you guys for listening. This has been Voices of Color. Thank you, Reese, for joining us. It was a pleasure having you. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. Are we doing a competition with you? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, wait, yes. you do have yes. a competition. I do have a competition going on right now. I don't know by the time that this releases that the competition still will be going. But as of right now, if you pre-order the book, if you share a teaser about the book, and if you join my reader group, you'll earn raffle entries into a free Kindle giveaway. Oh, that is snazzy. I'm going to do it. Me too. I'm going to do it all because daddy needs a new Kindle, so... <laughs> Yeah, and you get to choose the colors. I never even knew Kindles came in colors, but you get to choose what? the colors. So. What? They come yeah. Wait, yeah, I had a blue one once. Never mind. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you for joining. This has been Voices of Color. See you in the next episode. <laughs>